how we get into the sermon. Today, I've been tasked with talking about Paul. And I feel like this is coming because there's something that God has actually been laboring in me for a while now about him, about his journey, the things that he went through, so on and so forth. And I'm going to need you guys today, though, to just help me out a little bit. Is, is there other people here who can help me out just a little bit? Maybe like three or four people if I ask you to come up. Can you help me out? Is that, I seen him tap her, so is that, does that lock you two in? All right, cool. So we got two. She's mad at you, though, so you might be in trouble later. <laughs> but I'm going to need you to help me out just a little bit. But we're going to talk about Paul. And we're not going to talk about his whole life. But as we all know, Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. Um, who knows? People argue 14. Who knows, right? But the reality is Paul was a very powerful person in the gospel. Paul, I mean, literally, when we think about it, his letters to the churches, his epistles um, are what a lot of us base our faith off of today when we're talking about, even if we're talking about conduct in the church and the way things should be and so on and so forth. Paul was blessed by the Spirit of God to be able to give us things that we can still go back to today to hear what God has to say to us because all Scripture is inspired by God. So even when he wrote that to Timothy, it was still an inspiration from God. And Paul was a man who came on a journey just like us all. And when I think about Paul, I just always say to myself, the journey that he went on was amazing. And I don't know if we always appreciate the journey that he actually went through from the shipwrecks to the islands to the jail cell to everything that he went through so we can be sitting in this building today to be able to talk about Jesus Christ. I don't think we sometimes honor that or understand that, but let's talk a little bit about Paul. Amen. And I'm going to need y'all to give me an amen back a little bit. All right. It might be a little bit different, but you can do an amen. 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 So this sermon is going to be how it all starts is not how it ends. Amen. Amen. <laughs> all right, I'm just checking on y'all. All right. But we're going to start with this. Acts chapter 7, 55 through 60. And just if you don't mind, can I get four people or two now? Because I have two volunteers already. I don't want to get him in trouble, though. So if you don't want to come, don't come. Can I get just two more people with them? You guys are sitting next to them. You look like you all might have came together or you know each other. Do you guys mind coming? You don't have to if you don't want to. It's very simple. It's, huh? All right, come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to get Andrew up here, too. It's a, the leader has to do it as well. He has to be in as well. All right, so Andrew, you're going to stay right here. You're going to stay right here. You guys make a crowd. You three. You're going to stay right here. Andrew's going to stay here. I'm going to read this scripture. As I read this scripture, I want you guys to really fully see where Paul was, how it started, so then we can really understand how it ends. Acts chapter 7, 55 through 60. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned him. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, the 
redeem my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. We hear that text, and we read that text. Now I want you guys to do me a favor. You're going to be Saul. I want you to be Stephen. I want you all. You're going to like this. You get to stone him. I want you all. <laughs> I want you all to just do a little portrayal of what that would look like if you were to be Stephen, you were to be stoning him. We can just throw rocks at him and we can pretend to be hurting him. And Stephen is crying out to God. He's on his knees and he's shouting. And I'm serious. I, I want you to really see what happened to Stephen because we're talking about how it started. It's not how it's going to end. And then you have Saul over here. He's consenting to it. So as they're throwing rocks at him and they're stoning him and Stephen is being killed, he's shouting out and he's asking God to forgive them. He's shouting out because he's full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. But we have Saul over here consenting. To Stephen's death. And I don't think we pay attention enough to this in scripture because we have a murderer over here. We have murderers over here killing someone and talking about what we believe is to be death. You guys can sit down. Thank you. Everybody give them a round of applause. How it all starts is not how it all ends. As far as we know in the Bible, this is when Saul is mentioned. So when I talk about the Bible, this is how we know how it started with Saul. As persecuting the church, as wanting to kill Christians and put them in prison. He couldn't stand the church. He felt the church had fake doctrine. He felt Jesus isn't real. There's no possible way. I'm a Pharisee. Oh, do you know who I am? Do you know where I come from? Do you know my lineage? Do you know who taught me? I am Saul. I am a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I am who I am. We have this individual who we see believe in what he believed in so much that he was willing to allow a man to be murdered just to keep it going. And I think about our faith today and I think about, wow, how it starts is not how it all ends. How many of us, when it started in our faith journey and where we're at now, how it started is not how it ended. How many of you, when you first came to Jesus Christ and you first heard about Jesus, some of you might be lifelong Christians and you still questioned. I know you did because almost everybody does. How many of you at one point in time in your life, in your faith journey, especially if you didn't grow up in church, how it started is not how it's going to end. 
And when I think about Saul and I think about everything that he did to persecute the church and the Bible even says a great wave of persecution began that day. So the Bible is letting us know that the day that they stoned Stephen, that he completely agreed this great wave of persecution is now came. And we see this man, Saul, turning into someone because as we continue to keep going, he turns into someone who wants to chase Christians down. He wants to travel miles and miles and miles to take them to prison to make sure that they don't get the gospel out. And then I think about our Western Christianity. Some of y'all going to hate me for this. Go to China. I think about our Western Christianity. Go to Nigeria. I think about our Western Christianity. Go to Afghanistan. We think that this persecution ended with this man, Saul, but this persecution still goes on to this day. We've just been blessed because of some of the works of this man, Saul, to be able to celebrate and worship and sit in this place as we do in open worship. We have church buildings that say Heart Community Church. You would never have that in certain places in this world. So I think about how it all starts is not how it all ends. But it's seeing faith through the journey. So it's seeing faith for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria that it may be hard right now with Boko Haram and other things happening in persecution. But just because it starts that way, it doesn't have to end that way. It may be hard for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. But just because it starts that way, it doesn't have to end that way. And I think about the persecution of what Saul did to the church as an individual. And it started that way, but it doesn't have to end that way. And I think like this. Stephen Lawson said it best. God has more grace than we do sin. God has more grace than we do sin. What does that mean? It doesn't matter if I'm Saul and I'm consenting unto the death of someone else. It doesn't matter if I'm a sinner and I've been to prison before for crime. It doesn't matter if I've done something a little bit slick financially or I covered the books just a little bit because I didn't want to pay that much in taxes. Come on, I, I, listen, we're going to talk about some real stuff today. God has more grace than we do sin. It doesn't matter the sin that I commit. God's grace exceedingly and abundantly goes above and beyond that. But now I bring it back a little bit to my Christianity. Do I have more grace than you do sin? Do I have more grace for you than the sin maybe that you committed over me? See, when we talk about the story of Saul, we can't forget how important Stephen is. We cannot forget important how Stephen, listen, Stephen said, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. You can't talk about Saul and not put Stephen into context how he prayed in his last breath of dying for God to not charge them with the sin of murder that they were committing against him. You cannot talk about that because in Stephen being full of the Holy Spirit, he was able to have more grace than the sin that was being committed against him. He was able to have the grace of God inside of him, even though rocks were being thrown down at him and he knew his death was imminent. He said, I looked into the heavens and I saw the Lord standing at the right hand. I saw him. He knew it was coming, but he still had more grace than the sin. That was over him. Stephen is the depiction of what a Christian needs to be. 
None of us are perfect, but you can't talk about Saul in his life if you don't talk about him. How much grace am I giving to someone else? Maybe when Zeke stood up here and said he'd been to jail before, maybe I said, why is he singing in our church today? What is he doing? Pastor Andrew, oh, we're having a conversation later. Oh, yeah. Maybe some of you wrote a note already. And on that note, you said, I can't believe you let someone who has been in prison sing in our church. And he didn't even do a gospel song. He wrote a song about changing his life. I didn't hear Jesus in that song, but it's Jesus in his heart. What if I told you this? Pastor Andrew, why are you letting a man talk to your congregation who spent eight years in prison? I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell you all that. God has more grace than we do sin. See? When you talk real in church, it gets real quiet. And you don't have to raise your hand. But I just want to pose that question to you now. Now that you know that about me, are you still listening? That's why we have to understand how much grace God actually has. It's unmerited. It's unearned. It's undeserved. But God has it for us anyways. And he wants to do exactly what he did in Stephen and put some of his spirit in us so we can give that unearned, unmerited, undeserved grace to others. We're supposed to be giving that to other people. I told you how it starts is not how it ended because before we knew Jesus, we didn't have that kind of grace. We would go off in a second. You just got a lot of grace. We didn't have that kind of grace. We would go off in a second. I'm going to pick on you, man. I know. I love you, though. But before we knew Jesus, we didn't have that kind of grace in a heartbeat. Nope, I don't want to hear it. Nope, I'm at work today and I'm upset. Nobody talked to me. Before we knew Jesus and his spirit was inside of us, how much grace were we allowing to cover the multitude of sins through his love? How much? But then I tell you, you cannot talk about Saul without talking about Stephen. Because Stephen said a prayer for this man as he was dying. Don't charge him. How many of you would do that? How many of you, in the process of someone getting ready to murder you, instead of praying for God to save you, to not let you die, to heal you, to protect you, how many of you would say, Lord, just don't charge them with this sin? I see the hammer coming. I know it's about to happen. It's coming. But Lord, don't charge them with this sin. How many of you would roll out the way and fight back? And she's like, yes, yes, I will. How many of you? How many of you? See, when I hear the story of Saul, it always picks with my brain because I say, Lord, how do you take a man from hating you and your followers to loving you so much that he's willing to die for you? How do you take a man like myself from not knowing you to loving you to where everything he does is for you, even if that means unto death? How do we do that? Only by God's grace. Because his grace is not stronger. Some of you may not know everything about Saul, 
I want to say this. Too many of us miss the place because of the path that we have to go in. What does that mean? Listen real carefully. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Meanwhile, Saul was utterly threatened with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers for the day for the followers of the way he found there. He wanted just if you don't know, followers of the way are followers of Jesus. That was their name back then. He wanted to bring them both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. Acts chapter 9, verse 2, 5. Too many people miss the place because of the path. Hear me very carefully. Paul is riding down to Damascus to persecute Christians, to put them in jail. His life is so bent on stopping the followers of the way that he's writing letters to get permission to go and grab people and snatch them and put them in chains. And Paul has no idea that very shortly he will be in chains. Very shortly, Agabus will come and say, whoever's belt this is shall be bound and shall be bound and put in chains. So he has no idea. I preached this at my church one time. Your purpose is in your past. Those same chains that Paul was putting people in, he ended up in those same chains of persecution for his own faith. But how is it that on this road to Damascus, his thought process is I'm going to go grab and put as many followers of the way as possible in chains. I'm going to write, I'm on my way. Don't worry, Saul is coming. I'm coming. I'm going to come and save you all. I'm going to come and save you from this blasphemy. I'm going to come and save you from these lies. I'm going to come and save you from these people who say that this Jesus guy is something, but he really is nothing. I'm coming to save you. But on this Damascus road, I know y'all heard that before, but his Damascus road, I'm talking real faith. I'm not talking Bible school, Father Abraham, that man, his son. I, that's great. Don't get me wrong. I love you. But I'm talking real faith. When you knew in your life that there was nothing that could separate you from the love of God, when you knew in your life that there was therefore no more shame or no condemnation for anything that you had done because of Jesus Christ, when you knew in your life that Jesus Christ was the realest and the best thing that you could ever have, I'm talking that kind of faith. Maybe you don't have it yet. Maybe you just sit in church on Sunday because it's a place to be or your wife wants you to come. Yeah, that was me one time too. Maybe that's just it. But I'm talking that real faith, that Damascus road where Jesus, the presence of him comes so strong and so heavy over your life that you start to realize how it all started. It's not how it's going to end because I know the presence that's inside of me now. 
I don't have to have a fear. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid of anything because I know how it started. It's not how it's going to end. It's not going to be perfect. I might get put in chains. I might have to go on many trips. I might have to travel across many seas, hop on many raggedy boats. I might get shipwrecked. I might get bit by a snake. I might go through so much trauma and turmoil and tribulation, but I know how it all started. It's not how it's going to end. But because just like Saul, it becomes Paul. We understand Sometimes we miss the place because we can't walk the path. There's a reason why Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. There's a reason why he said, leave your mother and brothers and everybody behind. There's a reason why he said, let the dead bury the dead. There's a reason. We miss our place. Big boy tires with the massive shocks. We're going to hit this terrain. But the reality is this the path doesn't matter. Jesus said, Pick up your cross. You just got to follow me. That's hard, too. Because it's hard to walk the path, it's hard to truly bear our cross. first missions trip, we was afraid. We're going to miss it because we were afraid on that first one. And then as we continue to go more and more and more back to Nicaragua or Africa or Chicago or wherever you were going, the more and more the, the more and more comfortable you became. You developed relationships with the people. You come now and they know you by name. Hey, there's Stacy. Hey, Paul. Hey, Tim. Now people know you by name and you're more comfortable and, and you're not afraid to go in now and, and maybe share your faith. You're not just here just to bandage a wound and to look around and be afraid, but you're actually here to preach the gospel to the people. See, I told you how it all started is not how it all ends. Paul started his whole relationship with Jesus with killing his followers. Think about it. His, his first concept of Jesus Christ was to kill his followers, was to put them in prison. That's how it started for him. What is this nonsense? But how it all starts is not how it all ends. Because when Jesus comes into the picture, you just can't be the same. I'm going to say that again. When Jesus comes into the picture, you just can't be the same. How many of you are? Five different times the Jewish leader gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with the rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day in shipwreck too. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. 
I have faced dangers in the cities and the deserts and on the beaches. And I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered through the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Even this took place because of the power of God. I did some research on churches, China, um, a couple years ago. And what Paul writes here sounds very similar to what a lot of Christians in China have to endure. I don't know if any of you saw a couple of the documentaries, and there's some clips out there as well. Um, but they talk about how the Christians in China actually practice jumping out of two-story buildings with handcuffs on. And they have these secret facilities that they go to, and they're housed at to practice. Because as you know, in China, if you get caught believing in Jesus or having church, you can go to jail indefinitely. They can let you out whenever. They can keep you for how long. They might even kill you. That's the persecution. So I hear stories and I read this about Paul and I say to myself, why is it that they don't need to face this kind of attack? But we have the easiest to meet the same kind of challenges that they do. Because we don't have the same kind of faith. But we have an easier time meeting this kind of challenge. I remember being chased for a while. How many of you wanted Pastor Andrew to bump service up? So you can catch the game for our meeting. No, let, 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 now let's talk American westernized Christianity for a second. How it all starts is not how it ends. We become so caught up in our amenities and the things that we have and the material things that we can watch or we can grasp that we forget. The one thing that we can't watch and grasp is Jesus. You don't see Jesus in the physical, but the Bible does tell us we see God in all of his creation. See, we miss the points that God is trying to give us because we get so caught up in our amenities and in everything that we have. And we don't like this kind of preaching because we feel like, oh, he's talking about me. If you don't like it and if it's affecting you, maybe it's God trying to tell you something. See, but we don't want to hear things like this because we don't understand that how it started is not how it's supposed to end. But sometimes you're missing the place God is taking you because of the path and it's too much going on. Now, in Paul's, in Paul's story, the path was just a lot of tribulation and trauma, a lot of trials. He was stoned. How do you think he felt when he was stoned, knowing he stoned Stephen to death, Stephen stoned to death? But for us, we just have too much. How many of you lived in a place that you had even too much? And I think about a, a man of faith like Paul. I think about how no matter what he went through, no matter what he had or he didn't have, he still preached the gospel of Christ. So I think about myself, Jordan, no matter what your church has or it doesn't have, you still preach the gospel of Christ. I remember a few months ago, there was like nine or ten people in our church that Sunday. I don't know why, but a guy texted me and he said, hey, man, you know what I love about you? I said, what's that? He said, you preach to us whether it's 50 people in the room or whether it's five people in the room. You preach to us like you care. 
And every time I talk to God, I say, God, it's your word. It's your glory. You get the glory out. You get your word out because you don't know who's listening. And this same person later on that day messaged me back and said, hey, I got a friend in Florida who saw me share your sermon. And they messaged me, and this is what they sent. And in this message, they said, thank you for sharing that sermon. I needed that word today. I was thinking about A, B, and C. But when I heard that sermon, I said to myself, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that because that sermon really touched me. How can I get in contact with this church? How do I follow online? So on. And I said to myself, you just have to be willing to carry the gospel no matter what it is that you're going through. Just like Saul when he became Paul, he just carried the gospel, whether he was bitten by a snake. He carried the gospel even when he was in a cell and he was writing letters to the people on the outside. Write this. Hey, scribe this for me. Send it to our followers in Corinth. Send it to the people in Galatia. Send it out across the world because he just carried the gospel inside of him. How it all starts is not how it all ends because it started with us not carrying the gospel in us at all. But once the gospel comes inside of us, how it starts cannot be how it ends because now I carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. But we become so complacent in our Christianity that carrying the gospel has to fit inside of our box, forgetting that God doesn't live in a box. It has to fit inside what I think is normal, what I think is right, what I think needs to happen, forgetting that if it has to be based on what I think is right and normal, it needs to happen then God ain't actually in it. Because what does God think is right? What does God think needs to happen? What box is God in? But this preaching isn't famous because God only works in a box. Because when God is in a box, that fits my life perfectly. Because now I make God fit around my life as opposed to my life fitting around God. And I'll give you a depiction of Jesus. Jesus didn't make the people fit around his schedule. He made himself fit around theirs. I'll give you proof. He traveled town to town to town. Study the map of everywhere Jesus went. Jesus didn't sit in the church. He didn't sit in the synagogue and say, bring all the people unto me. Jesus said, we're going to be here one day. We're going to be there one day. Then we're going here. The multitudes will follow us from place to place. But we're still going to go here. We're still going to go there. We're still going to go everywhere. I think about Paul sometimes. All I can ever tell about Paul lashing, treating, stoning, journeying, all these trips. And I think to myself, why in the world would God put that man through all that? Looking at a fence. And you know what? I ain't never been to church like that in my life. Maybe four or five times. You know what? Let me see what this Jesus guy is about. Yeah, I'm going to try it out. And just see what happens. And I did it. And I tell you this. Sisters, when I 
There was just no way I could have this encounter with Jesus Christ. There was just no way that this feeling that was inside of even though I didn't understand all of it, there was just no way that this feeling inside of me, I was going to let go. There was just no way. No way. And I started just from that day, Lord, I don't know what this looks like. I, I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't even know to finish praying in Jesus' name. But God's grace covers a multitude of sins. Listen, his love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, his grace is bigger. I didn't even know how to pray. I just started talking to God like, well, I just read this, and it says this. So can you give me more of that? What do I need? What am I supposed to do? What books can I go to? But I understood where I was yesterday. It may be a challenge day by day by day to get to where I need to be. But I refuse to let my life end on the trajectory I was on. Can you go and make that saying even better? How it all starts is and how it ends. How it ends is and how it ends. The reason is because it all started with death. We are alive. that go over your head? We're alive in Jesus Christ. Until I met Jesus, I was a walking zombie. You could have put me on the show The Walking Dead. Because I had no idea who he was. That in itself is proof how it started, not how it will end. We are a new creation in him. We are a new living, green being. We're not perfect. But we're something new. There's something inside of us that will never be the same again because of him. And I don't know about you, but I didn't have that until I knew who he was. And I'll end with this. Acts 9, 15 and 16. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Saul's story started with persecuting the church. It ended with dying for the church. And Jesus said, go, because he's my chosen instrument. How it started. think of this journey, I'm so appreciative that he was able to be that strong in the faith where I can read those letters today. And as I close, I just want to close with this a short prayer um, for all of us, for whatever has went through our brain during this service, if it was judgment of Ezekiel or myself, if it was judgment of Andrew, if it was judgment of maybe your neighbor next to you because they farted during service or whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm serious. But I, I truly believe we just have to understand the simple things about God and how much his grace covers everything that we do. Amen? Amen. If you guys don't mind, can we pray? Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. 
Um, Lord, we thank you for your grace, unearned, unmerited, undeserved. It's just something that you chose to give us because you love us so much. We thank you for your love. We thank you for that because without your love, we wouldn't know how to love. We love because God first loved us. So I pray that you show us how to use that love for your kingdom work. I pray that you show us how to use that love as you showed Saul who then became Paul. I pray that you show us how to use that love as you did through Peter. Show us how to use that love as you did through all the apostles, Lord. Show us how to use that love as, you, as you've done through the churches throughout the, throughout the ages. How to use that love. And let us apply the grace of God in all of our life. Let us apply his grace to every situation. And let us continue to grow and know you more. Let us not just make church just a place that we go on Sunday. But let us make church something inside of us that we celebrate and do every day. We thank you. We love you. And give us the faith and the confidence to know that how it started is not going to end. Because we are in you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.